we take the magnificence of God and try to apply human qualities. Like what? Such as some of the doctrines that people talk about. I, I just heard a guy the other day talk about that if you're saved, you would certainly show evidence of speaking in tongues and tithing and never sin against. That's just not the message. The message is that God so loves you that he became flesh and died for you and paid your sin debt. How we've turned that into we, I know you're going to ding me on we, <laughs> how religion has turned that into 600,000 Sunday mornings talking about what you have to do. In our recent writing, we talk about the first man did nothing to come alive. God breathed into him. And it's kind of like that now. And people don't like that. People don't like the fact that I can't do something to move into this amazing realm that we're just physical humans. We, we have to. We really have to just give it all. You think they don't like it or they don't believe it? Not both. They need to do something. And like you were telling me this week about prayer, how you got so caught up in, in life. So maybe that's a good subject here that give God some credit that we don't every second have to be at an altar or bow down at a beach or a cross give god some credit in that what has he done for us but but talk a little bit about that the prayer and the obedience and, and how you feel about a practical working man yes yeah, it's, it's it's far less uh obedience or anything that i felt i had to do but i was telling you that the last I don't know, I'll say two to three weeks of work were aggressive. Um, I was, I was dinging those like 80 plus hour weeks, which is not the norm. Um, we had a tough, a tough project. Whole team was rallying around it, but I just found myself noticing how busy I was, uh, with one thing. And I found myself wanting to have more time for prayer or just more time, frankly. Um, but it, it made me realize how many other times, even when I'm not that busy, I don't sit down, whether it's in the morning or evening, I don't sit down and have a dedicated time of prayer. I don't kneel down to your point at an altar or at the end of my bed or anywhere that I am and have this dedicated prayer time. But in that aggressive work week or multiple work weeks, I just noticed it a little bit more. And I wasn't that I thought I needed it, but I wanted it. I wanted to have more time for that, but I didn't. And it just got me thinking about the fact that at least I've been told, and I think scripture says, and you'll do it more justice, but I've got a Holy Spirit interceding for me. And then it, I just reminded myself, again, I don't have to do anything. Uh, and so in that moment, the thing I needed to do was help my team and provide for my family and be a career guy. And God wasn't going to judge me any better or worse for that um and i didn't need to pray to do anything different because he's already got it so i i kind of went full circle and and reminded myself in that uh hellish couple of work weeks that 
it's okay that I didn't have more time to pray, but I did want it. And that's, that's just kind of the reflection I had, but I at least had enough time to realize I didn't need to do anything. And that was helpful for me. But I think a lot of people, whether they're already Christians or a lot of the people I think we talked to maybe that are curious, but they would often feel like they need to do something. They might not be able to go full circle like I did in that, in that tough scenario. They would think that they need to drop everything and, and pray, or they would question like, why do I have to do that? And the, I have to, isn't really the case. And that's not really the message. And I think that gets people kind of wrapped up. You know, it takes us back to the doctrine, if you will, of prayer. I mean, let, let's talk about what prayer is. And I love the way Andrew Farley talks about prayer is talking to dad. Yep. I went for many years with the same struggle you're talking about that. And I saw people in church, they went to the altar so that they, they felt like they were closer to God. And, you know, they'd kneel down or, or people have their, their, like you said, their perfect prayer time where they dedicate in the morning and dedicate in the afternoon. And I think, and they'll tell you about it, by the way, they'll, oh, yeah. they'll make sure that oh, they make sure they mention should, yeah. every morning at six fifteen before I do anything else, there's, there's time for God. And I'm going, like, am I supposed to do that? That's, I mean, I jump up, be grab okay a cup of coffee, did. and I start working. Right. Yeah. It'd be okay. But I think it kind of goes back to the definition of sinner's pulpit. Where's the sinner's pulpit? It's where the sinner speaks anywhere. And when you, when you can't pray, the Holy Spirit intercedes, as you said, intercedes for us and helps us to pray. And he takes our feeble prayer. Because the Holy Spirit's God. So when the Holy Spirit hears it, the Father and Son hear it. But just back to what religion has done to the term and definition of prayer. Wouldn't it be wonderful if our entire day, he hears our thoughts. <laughs> you know, there's an old saying, horrible crash, kids under a bus. And I don't know where this originated, but the guy... Someone said, oh, Lord, let's pray. And the guy said, you pray, I'll get the kid. Right. You don't think, and I've had these situations where emergencies happen. And, oh, my gracious, we didn't seek God first. We've sought God first in the fact that we've asked Christ to come and live in us. So don't you think God hears our hopes and our desires? The scripture says he gives us the desires of our heart. That doesn't mean you want a Ferrari. So I think I think we really need to revisit and explain to people what is prayer. God doesn't have the ability to hear our mind and heart. Well, I think first un unpack a little bit more exactly what I think you just hit on, because I think for all practical terms, people that maybe aren't all the way in yet or maybe not as far on their journey as as you or I are, and we're at different places, too. But you just, I think when you were talking about the fact that there doesn't have to be some dedicated place. And if we've already sought him, our work is done and he takes over. And that's such an important part because I think practically that would, maybe that can resonate for people that aren't there yet because they've heard it a different way. They've, they've typically heard you need to make prayer time. You need to go to A, B, or C at X, Y, and Z time. Right and do this in a certain amount of it or always be. And 
that kind of confuses it where you'd almost say that's impossible or that's, you know, your bullshit flag goes up and you're like, wait, wait a minute, I have to do what? Like, and when, and all these particular times and a, a human decided that for me. So your way going to him first and then letting the rest happen. I think that's really practical for people that get really busy with work or have, they have other things they want to do on this earth, but they want to know God too. So go seek him and then go about your day, go work, go drive from point A to point B, go to a ball game to unpack that a little bit, because that is so important that you get to go be yes. if you've already done that. And so the prayer is just kind of interwoven into all of that, but we don't have to block it off and segment it off. It'd be like a father and son living apart and every day at five 30 in the morning and at eight 30 at night, you have to call your father to show him that you appreciate him and talk to him for a little while. But, but it's not like that. It, we have him living in us. And when we seek him first, scripture says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all things will be added to you. And that doesn't mean first every day, all the time. It just means when you seek him first, you have accepted his truth of what he's done to, to make you alive. And he promised what? I'll never leave you. That doesn't just mean for salvation. It means he's at the ball game. He's at the bar. But and it doesn't just mean for Saturday that you have to yeah, do it again on Sunday. Sunday it means you also. sought him. And now everything that comes after that, he's there. He's there. Now, he may not approve of what you're doing because he's given us choice. We're always in the spirit when we're saved. But we have the choice to walk by the spirit. We can still see sin is gone, but we can still open the door to him. Right. <laughs> you know, and we do every day. But he says, I've been there, man. I'm in there when you open the door and, and, and I'm with you in all things. So once again, we're back to seek ye first the kingdom of God. The, the kids run over by a bus. Oh, let me get down on my knees and pray. But, well, he's with you when you're running over there because he knows your desire. The fact that you're running over there right. is him moving you. So we really, it comes down to giving God some credit and people say, he, he'll never leave me or never forsake me. They just say, oh, that's for salvation. No, he says, I've moved in and I'm in you now. And when you said the work is done, his work is done to bring you into his realm. And you don't think that if God lives in you, that he won't move you to, to work. You're absolutely going to maybe feed a homeless guy or you may talk to a guy at a bar or wherever you are, he's with you. So we've talked about that before. Fruit yeah, bearing. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll bear all kinds of different fruit yeah, at different times yeah. and at different maturation cycles. It's going to take a while to bear some of it. Yes. So it's maybe none of the things you just said. It might be doing your work the way that you do it. And yeah. it'll, it'll do good things that he wants to have done at other times. But I think this is helpful framing for me because like I said, in that was just that two weeks was aggressive, but that's actually what I had to identify for myself. And I think other people do too. If you have sought or you're seeking practically in those two weeks, just the fact when I was talking to quote unquote myself about wanting to just have more time 
dedicated time for him. That was prayer. I was talking to him. That was prayer. And I was praying, yeah. And I think that's the, the big thing we want to say is that it doesn't have to be this this pious look. Hey, have you ever gone to bed at night? And I usually take that time to lay back on my pillow and, and talk to God. And, I don't. I fall asleep okay. in 37 seconds. Well, I know a man that says, you know what? You're lazy. You need to get out and get on your knees. Yeah. God doesn't hear me when I'm comfortable on my pillow. Right. It, it's just religion messing the thing up. Mm -hmm. But what I wanted to say was I have fallen asleep and thinking about my day and my family and work tomorrow. And I didn't say the things that I normally say. You know what Jesus said? Don't pray that rote prayer because, see, God speaks hard and we forget that. So was I left without God for that eight hours that I slept because I forgot to pray or fell asleep? Yeah, of course not. Of course not. So it comes back to what is the definition of prayer? And it's all day when you when you think about him now and then. If I'm driving, I ask him to drive, use me to drive. But if I were to take my hand off the wheel and go to sleep, the car would wreck. Unless you have a Tesla. But <laughs> that would too. But see, that's the practical, physical nature right. that he's entered into and gives you the mind. <laughs> you need to hang on <laughs> to this wheel. So prayer is talking to God. In whatever way. What did Christ say? All who call on me. Dude, how many ways could we? People say, well, what does that actually mean? Well, hopefully <laughs> that's, I mean, even that for people that are listening that aren't entirely there yet. I hope that that even sends off a, you know, a thought process. Because you can be in your car yeah. driving, eyes wide open. You don't have to walk into a established building that is a church you don't have to do it any certain way so even, pulpit, man. yeah so back to the <laughs> where you talk yeah. god listens what what did peter, peter say christ said come to me he's on the water right what did peter say when he started to sink Help! yeah that's crying out yeah but yeah i just I, I would hope that people to the you know if you call on me you know he'll answer and if you want to seek him that's like right now you just could say all right I don't even totally buy this, but hey, God, right now, like I'm calling on you because I've been listening to these guys. I'm willing to give it a shot in and, and not some pious way. Like right. I'm driving my Tesla. It's not crashing and I'm willing to but, just call out to you. But once again, he speaks hard. Right. So you could say something like that if you didn't mean it. he sees it. Sure, exactly. <laughs> but you can say it anywhere in any way. You know, you, people say speak in tongues. That's angel, angel talk. And that's in the scripture about speaking in tongues. But Paul says, I neither speak in tongues or do A, B, and C. See, because Christ has come and fulfilled everything you had to do under the law. But we didn't even have to do it. We had the law of conscience. And that's in our next writing. We talk about the Jewish law, the law of Moses, God's every utterance is law. We had the law of conscience. Um, Christ filled it all, but we must remember he speaks hard. So a lot of people say, why well, I, I went down to the front of the church and I did everything and I said everything they said I should say. So why aren't I saved? I don't know if you say, but God speaks hard. 
But the key message in that little whip was to God speaks hard, man. Not Greek and tongues and friends. Why do you think people? This is this is less right. This is less scriptural or um, directly related to God. Why do you think? Set religion aside for a second. Why do people feel like they want it to be pious or? And even people that are a little skeptical of that, but in somehow we still frame it up like it's got to have a special place. Like this is everything we've said is so easy. Like if I can just pray going down the road or when I had anxiety during that work week or stress and I was just kind of talking to myself and I realized I, that was me praying. I was yeah. just sharing it with yeah. God. Why do people do you think that's just our just is just our subjective or, you know, our thoughts on this? But I'm curious, like, why do we tr- often try to separate even me in that time i was saying again i i knew i didn't need to do anything different but i wanted some of that time but why did even i feel like man i really wish i was carving out this time for god and then other people they do they wrap themselves around like i need to make that the first and last thing i do because it'll set my day off right and it'll now and that that starts i'm like okay wait a minute are you setting yourself up a great habit or is it actually that you think God needs this? But I just wonder why we often do wrap ourselves up a little bit on, uh, I don't know, holiness or piousness or well, because dedication is, of it. Because a couple of things. God is so big. God is holy. God's perfect. God knows everything. God is God. So people think, and, and me too, my reverence to him Somewhere in scripture, it says he doesn't, he doesn't want our sacrifice. He doesn't want it. Yeah. He says, one by one sacrifice, Hebrews 10, 14, by one sacrifice. But the answer Guess what? It was his. It was his. <laughs> but, and, and he also tells us in, in First Peter, or where he uses Peter to tell us that our lives become a living sacrifice. Just think about that. What we're doing in him, with him. But back to your point, your question. People see, look, look out, just look out, up and inward, and we see how magnificent and big God is. I think people want to, which is not a bad thing. They want to revere him. Right. So I think that's why they, okay, I'm pleasing God if I go here and I take this time and I sit down. And it's not a bad thing. Once again, it's not a bad thing. So to answer your question, I think people are, they, they reverence him by showing He's so much bigger than them, and they and they know he's holy. But what he did with all that, he says, "I became one of you." Yeah, well, so I think that you don't have to do that. To that's me. that's a very spot on answer. I think one of probably several. But the irony of that answer—that's where this thing gets easier and easier to me on my walk because that's how I would feel too. Like it's just so big, you know. He made the sun. He made the earth. The, yes. All of these things. But the I, it's so. What do you think you could possibly yes. do? How how much right. time in the morning or like kneeling down? Like, did you kneel far enough down for a god like that? Yeah. So that I go. Oh yeah. If I can't even get close to doing enough, then oh, yes. I can just realize I can do nothing. Yes. So and that's say, wow, that's the irony thank of it. You. It is, yeah. is. It is ironic. He would just say, actually, just live your life. Like the best thing you can do is live that living sacrifice. Yes. You can't you keep trying to do these things? I'm telling you, I already did it. None of the things you could do are even like even close. 
it should show us how small we are, that we should see that. That's what the law does. It shows us that we just can't keep it. And we come to him and just say, thank you that you have taken a, a, a feeble somebody like me and done this for me. But, but in, our, in that, he lives in us. We see his holiness. So we do, we do want to reverence that, yeah. which, which it could be a crackhead saying, dear God, I can't do this. That's his, that's reverence to him. When you call on him and you give your life to him and you believe that and you accept it, it's as reverent as what they do in some churches, waving smoke and wearing certain things and you have to pay a certain amount of money. That's not reverence to him. When you humble yourself to nothing, Unless you become like one of these little children and by faith. But uh, I sure want to reverence him. And Romans 1 tells us when we look out here, even nature shows us how magnificent he is. But he's come down our level. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I don't knock if maybe a, a second reason people do it, as I alluded to, is like it's your own good habits or your intentions right to start your day that way you think you're staying in connection with him by doing it sure and that's why we say it's not a not, not a, bad a bad thing that's i just your heart i just hope they heart? know i just hope they know if they miss a day yes it's he, not he doesn't leave you yeah it's not like or or even you know he doesn't leave you but i hope you don't feel some like heavy guilt that you didn't follow through your habit that day because if it if that helps you go on your christian walk every day and be better for like that's great but remember, God speaks hard. Yeah. It's your intent. If you say, like, like I know a woman that if she leaves her little guardian angel pin behind, she's afraid to go about her day. Yeah. <laughs> True story. Yeah. So, again, God speaks hard. If you're doing it to make yourself look like, hey, God, I did this. So, yeah, I mean, ask yourself this. What does it mean? When Christ said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'll never let anyone pluck you out of my hands, including you, dummy. What does that mean? Yeah. To the non-believer and the believer that you have the God of the universe living in you by faith. Well, I hope that non-believers or people that are seeking, seeking to maybe be believers that hear this, hopefully well, already non-believer. Right. Hopefully they've heard. Maybe they've heard it a different way today on this cast. Um, but I would answer your question, and that's where I think we, we end up often. A non-believer might hear what you just said from Scripture and go, I don't think any body or any God could do that. Like, what do you mean you'll never? What if I do X? What if I do Y? So sometimes that's the the, the says, disbelief is the is the magnitude of the promises. They're yes. so They're so huge. You're like, that's... You know, some some guy that's super inspired wrote that down because there's no way actually like anything can make that commitment. And so it actually leaves people tail spinning yeah. away from him because it's like that's not even a promise anyone can keep or anything can keep. You know, I used to ask the question, bringing it down on a practical, physical level. If you had like some wafer, probably a bad analogy. Probably. But let's say we had this this token. That God gives everyone a salvation. At salvation. I ask people, what would you do with it? 
And people say, I put it in a safe deposit box. They say, no, what if the bank blows up or burns out the floor? <laughs> the plane hits it. And then some people will say, most people tell me I would eat it. <laughs> well, when you say wafer. That's pretty good, though. That, okay. So if you eat that, then God's going to you know, permeate. It's going to permeate like he told Ezekiel to eat the scroll. And one of the best answers I ever heard was, and this is the right answer, according to scripture, I think. They said, I'd give it to Jesus to hold. Wow. I was like, wow, that blew me away. Because that's, that's what we do with our salvation. You know, you hear people say, my salvation, my, I got my salvation from this or that. Whose salvation is it? Right. It's his, and he gave it to you. He, yeah. This gift that you can now enter into this amazing intelligence, power, and presence. But it's not your salvation that you earned. It's my salvation that I paid for with my blood, which is the only blood that will pay. So it, it all comes down to. And then again, practically, <laughs> though, kind of maybe pulling this together and then go about your day. I think that, yes. that part I've always appreciated that you've yes. brought that to bear free to roam about the world. man. I love that because that helps so much to say, like, I'm still here, even though I still with me. I gave it. Gave it all back to Jesus. Just said, thank you. But now I don't need to sit here and think about what, just go live your life and see what comes of it. You'll see bear what fruit. he has you'll, for you. Yeah, it'll day. be, it'll be awesome, but just go live your life. And if we were to break it down, really break it down to a, a first cause, you were inhaling and exhaling his hydrogen and oxygen and argon and it, you didn't even think about it. A woman said to me one time, should I thank God for brushing my teeth? And Dr. Ben Carson said, if you knew what was happening in the synapse in your brain to brush your teeth, you'd hit your face. <laughs> because just the simple living is him allowing us to live and move on this planet for his purpose. See, I think that's the thing, too. His purpose is for you to roam about the world and meet Joe and Cindy and John and other people are watching you express Christ while you are doing your work. That's his purpose. And it's not always some pious vocation. Right. And that's the beauty of that he's opened it. And people talk more about sin than they do our savior. Well, what about the crackhead? He just called on Jesus. And then he goes and does a line. Well, he did it right. Yep. He did it right. And he's going to move it. I think it's a good place to wrap. And you've reminded me that I need to go brush my teeth. Dude, let's, we're free to roam about the planet because we are seated right next to him. And he's seated next to us. So let's go roam. Just say, wow, and thank you.